This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. All right, very good. Praise the Lord. Well, who had a good Thanksgiving? Did you give thanks? All right, very good. Well, that's what it's about right there. Now, we are obviously, we're full-fledged into this Christmas season, this holiday season. And uh, man, I'm telling you what, it's exciting. I love it. I love the lights. I love everything. But check it out. We know what the real purpose of all this is, don't we? We're celebrating Jesus. We're celebrating Jesus, and we're going to do it big this year. But um, if you need an outline for the message today, raise your hand, and the ushers will get you one. We have an exciting service today after the message. We'll be baptizing several people that are they're ready to make their public declaration of their faith in Jesus. And so that's going to be a beautiful time. But who remembers what we've been discussing for the past few Sundays in here? The fear of the Lord. We're talking about the fear of the Lord. And you're like, well, that doesn't sound very interesting. I came to hear about something fun. Well, it is something fun. It is something good. Because when you get the fear of the Lord, it'll change everything about your life. And so let me do a very quick review so I can catch us up and get us to where we need to be. Now, as you'll recall, there are two types of fearing God in the scriptures, right? We, of course, have fear number one, which isn't what it is. We should have if we're born again Christian fear. Number one is actually being scared of God. Right. And the book of Isaiah specifically talks about God's enemies will be scared of him. And uh, and the truth of the matter is this. I'm not scared of God because I'm not one of God's enemies. Right. Are you an enemy of God? Of course not. No, you are a child of God. You're a son and a daughter of God. But listen to this. There's another type of fear of the Lord mentioned in Scripture, the main fear of the Lord, which we're going to study some more today. And that comes from this Hebrew word, Yirah, which means reverence and respect. And I'm not just talking about, yeah, me and God, I respect him. We're cool. No, I'm talking about reverence for Almighty God, where you don't want to do anything to offend God. You don't want to do anything against God's will. And it's not because you're afraid of punishment. If the only reason you obey God's word is because you're just afraid you're going to get punished, then you don't fear the Lord. You're scared of God. And that's not what the scripture is talking about. And we'll, we'll study this more in the coming time. But the book of Proverbs tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so you can't even begin to have wisdom in your life until you have a reverence for God. And some people are like, well, I don't I never know what to do. I, I, I have no idea. I don't know if I'm coming or going. I'm confused and all this stuff. Well, that's because you don't have any wisdom. Now, there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom because there's some really smart people in this world, but they're not wise. They may know how to make billions of dollars. We were watching Shark Tank last night. And, and, you know, those guys, they know how to make some money. They're geniuses financially. That doesn't mean you're wise. A wise person knows how to make the right and godly decision with the deeper matters of life. They know how to raise their children. And I know a lot of billionaires that don't know how to raise their children. They know how to keep a marriage together. There's billionaires on their 10th marriage. Listen, they're smart, but they're not wise. There's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. And it tells us that the fear of the Lord, that's just the beginning of wisdom. And so you're maybe you're today like, well, I, I wish I had wisdom. I wish I knew what to do. I don't know where to go, what to, what time to get. I don't know what I'm doing. Well, 
when you get the fear of the Lord, when you reverence and respect God more than any person in this world, you know what to do all the time. You're not confused. You're not running in circles. You're getting somewhere in life because you're not trying to please everybody else. And you've got to get to that place. And it's a hard place to get to sometimes. But listen to me. You have got to get to the place where you don't care what everybody else is thinking and saying and doing. You care what God has to say about your life. And if everybody else says, I don't think he should do that, but God says, yeah, then, hey, there you go. But maybe everyone else says this is the right way to do things. But God's word says, no, that's the wrong way to do things. Then you go to God's word every single time. Then you're starting to get the fear of the Lord. And guess what? The book of Proverbs tells us that the blessing of the Lord, it makes a person rich, but he adds no sorrow with it. Isn't it nice to have the blessing of the Lord and to be provided for and to be blessed, but you don't have sorrow that came with it? That's a good way to be because there's a lot of rich and successful people, but it took a whole lot of sorrow to get there. They sacrificed their family. They sacrificed their children, their marriage, their their beliefs, their morals and their standard. Hey, they got to the top, but it took a whole lot of sorrow and they gave up a lot to get there. And that is not God's way of doing it. Can I get an amen this morning, church? Amen. All right. And so uh, what we're going to look at a, a few things here this morning is we're going to look at three elements to fearing the Lord. And I'll remind you that uh, the Bible tells us that Solomon was the wisest person of all time. There's never been anybody wiser than King Solomon. That was David's son. And Solomon wrote this book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, we're not turning there this morning, but he set out to find the meaning of life. He's like, well, you know, I've got everything I want. What's the meaning of life? So, well, maybe it's maybe it's uh, being educated. So he goes and learns as much as he can. Well, no, education's good, but that's not the meaning of life. Well, maybe it's it's romance. So he tries romance, and no, that's that's not the meaning of life. Then he tries money, and, and he tries everything you can imagine, and he says, no, none of these things fulfill me. They're still a void. But here at the end of Ecclesiastes, again, we don't have to turn there, but the last couple of verses, here's what Solomon had to say. He said. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. And so Solomon, the wisest person of all time, said the true meaning of life. My final conclusion is fear God and obey his commands. Everything else falls into place from there because everything else is going to everything else is encompassed within that. Because the Lord is our provider. Amen. And so three elements to fearing the Lord. And I want you to get this. Please get this. As, as I said uh, before, no topic has changed my life in all of scripture as has this topic. And you're like, well, that's pretty hard. To, that's a pretty tough one. Yeah, that, that is. That's a, that's a pretty bold statement to say. But as much as I loved the Lord, as many blessings as I had, there was always a void until I really got a reverence and a respect for God. And so the first thing I'm going to say to this, elements of fearing the Lord, is number one, is reverence and awe. You're like, what? What does that mean? Well, we're going to explain this, but we're talking about reverence and awe. And we experienced some of this just a few minutes ago. I saw some of you in the presence of God crying. I saw some of you really worshiping God. And that's what it's all about. But Psalm 33 and verse 8, let's flip over there, Psalm 33, 8. And I want to say this, you know, there's a difference between praise and worship songs. Do you get that? Praise songs were magnifying and glorifying all the great things God has done for us, right? You know, we're lifting up and that's great. There's a time for praise, but a real worship song 
is when it's all about Jesus. It's not about Jesus, I love you because you did this for me. And that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. But when it comes to really worshiping God, not praising God, worshiping is when we're singing to God just for who he is. Just because we love him. And a lot of times people are like, they don't really like those songs as much because they don't, they don't, they don't fully get a comprehension of that. But we were just singing one of those songs where it's, it's just about Jesus. And when you can get to that level where you can enter into worship and it's just about him, it's not about what he can do for you. And that, again, nothing wrong with that, but, but it's not about, well, I love you because you did this for me and, and I'll worship you because you have the ability to do this. And again, there's a place for that, but there's also a place for Jesus, I just want to tell you that I love you. You're the only one for me. I don't need anybody, anything else, only you. Jesus, you're it. And do you see, when you get to that level, you start to get into the presence of God. And I believe some of you experienced that uh, just a little bit ago. But Psalm 33, 8, check this out. It says, let the whole world fear the Lord. Now, this is talking about reverence, respect, And submission, this is not talking about being scared. Let the whole world fear, reverence the Lord. And look at this, and let everyone stand in awe of him. Now that word awe, you know, it may not seem like a very deep thing there, but awe is an overwhelming feeling of wonder or admiration. Have you ever been in the presence of God and you've just got this overwhelming feeling of love and admiration and and it it just overtakes you that's because you're in the presence of the lord you have you're in a moment of awe and and when you when you get there man this is what the psalms tells us says let the whole world reverence god let everyone stand in awe of him and I know sometimes I can't help it, man. I go out into the mountains and get into creation. And I, I you know I, I love I love being out in the woods. I was raised out in the woods. And I love that. But for me, it's more than that because I don't just see beautiful trees and nature. I see, my Lord, you made all this. You made these mountains. You made these trees. You, 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 you did all of this. Who else could have done this? There has to be a creator. You know, the book of Isaiah tells us that these mountains God uses as just stepping stones. Think about Mount Everest, 29,029 feet tall. And to our God, that's just a stepping stone. That, that, God, that's nothing. God can just step right on top of that. And it also tells us that God holds all the waters of the earth in the palm of his hand. Isn't that incredible? I mean, I can't hold more than about six ounces of water in my hand. But God can hold all the waters of the earth in the palm of his hand. And I think about uh, the deepest part of the ocean. I, I haven't read this for all, but I know it's the Mariana Trench, and I believe it's 37,000 feet deep. 37,000. That's deeper than Mount Everest is tall. And it says God can just hold that in the palm of his hand. It's a pretty big hand right there. That's a huge hand. And guess what? That's the God that we serve. That's the God that created these mountains and these trees and these people, God is the one that did it. And I'd be afraid. I'd be scared if he was against me. I mean, one thump and he could wipe me out. He could ground me into a fine powder. But guess what? He's not against me. He's for me. And so I'm not afraid of him. I respect him and I reverence him. And I stand in awe of the things that he's created and the things that he's done. But I stand in awe of him just because I love him. 
Now, I believe, and it is, it is my belief, and I've shared this, I believe that our, our nation and our people have, we've lost, in a big way, the fear of the Lord in this nation and amongst the general populace. There are some people that still have this reverence and respect for God, but obviously there's people now that, that go to church and say they're a Christian, that, that they do things that even sinners wouldn't have done. 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago. Sinners would have found offensive. And now we've got, we've got people that say they're Christians. Why is it? Well, I know a lot of people that love the Lord, but they don't fear Him. They don't, they don't really reverence and respect God. And when we get to a place like that, you'll still go through the motions. You'll still, you know, toss God a bone. You'll still, you know, give, you know, give God His dues every now and then. But it won't affect the way that you live. You'll still live according to your rules. You'll still do things how you think they should go. And what does Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tells us? It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Well, I know a lot of people that they trust in the Lord so long as they agree with him. But then they lean to their own understanding. and all their ways they acknowledge themselves and their money. And then they want that to direct their paths. That's screwed up, isn't it? And we want to, well, I mean, why are things the way they are? Well, the issue is this. Sinners have always sinned, right? I mean, we don't expect anything more. I expect fish to swim. I expect birds to fly. And we'd expect somebody that doesn't even claim to be a Christian, you would expect them to sin, right? It's what they do. It's just natural. It's what they do. But the issue is this, is that Christians overall, the majority, quit fearing the Lord like they used to. Sinners are doing what they've always done, sinning and, and, you know, not fearing God or whatever. And, hey, I can't blame them. That's what they do. But the issue is this. When Christians quit fearing God, that changes everything. Why? Because we're the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth, Jesus said. And when the salt quits being salty, guess what? That's going to screw some things up. When the light quits shining, it's going to let the darkness rule. And that's what you see happening. And so people are sitting around, man, what's this world come to? What's going on here? I don't, I don't get it, man. Well, if we got the fear of God back in this place and back in churches, back in this nation, it would change a whole lot of things. I can promise you that right now. Can I get an amen on that? Now, I've been to some churches where they respect God and reverence him so much. They, I mean, every time the scriptures are read, they stand up. Have you ever seen that? Now, I'm not trying to do, I'm not trying to get us to stand up 50 times, you know, every service like the Catholics, but, you know, some of our knees couldn't handle that. But at the same time, what I'm saying is this, is that I, I go to churches, not, not necessarily this one, but I, you know, I, I'm all over the nation sometimes. I see people playing video games on their phone while the word of God's being read. I see people scrolling Facebook and Twitter and Instagram while somebody is serving communion. You see people making their grocery list while we're giving an altar call. You see people, you know, I mean, just you know, the list goes on and on. And why is that? Well, they probably love God. They're probably, you know, hey, they were, you know, hey, we, we love the Lord. I'm cool with God. I believe in him. I'm born again. They don't fear God. Because when you're in the presence of God, you don't care about what's going on on Facebook. Someone taking a picture of their food again. Who cares? Who cares? I, you don't care about, you know, what, what's going on with your fantasy football when you're in the presence of God. Who cares? But if you don't fear the Lord, if you don't really respect him that much, you're like, yeah, this is good. This is a good message today. 
Let me see what's going on, you know, on, on the news or whatever. That's why we have that going on. Now, I think about, you know, some of the Christians in other nations. Do you think the Christians in Iraq today, if they were sitting in this heated, carpeted, beautiful church in the presence of God, would they be on their phones seeing who they could fight with over politics? Probably not. Probably not. You know, I had the pleasure of meeting a Coptic Christian in San Diego a few months ago. And he, I mean, the, it was an incredible experience. But, but the Coptic Christians are a very small minority group of Christians in Egypt. And they're the ones you see ISIS cutting their heads off and stuff like that. But those people, tell you what, they'd like to be in your seat today. You kidding me? They go to church and, I mean, they're risking their life. It's the, every time they go, they're taking a chance. But here we are, carpeted, heated, air-conditioned church, coffee, friendly people such as myself. You know, and, 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 and check it out. I mean, come on. If there was a facility and a setting like this somewhere like where they live, do you think it would be slight? It would be, I mean, everybody would be there. If we could say, we well, promised you you can go to church today. Nobody's going to threaten you. Nobody's going to kill you. You'll leave with your head and all of your limbs. They'd probably be like, hey, deal, sign me up. I want to go to that one. And so what I'm saying is this. This isn't a guilt trip, but it is. When you reverence and respect God, it will change the way that you live your life. And, you know, I think about... You know, I don't want to get too nerdy on you, but I, I do talk about the great revivals of history because I like I enjoy history. And during the first great awakening, a great revival in the 1700s, I mean, they got real because they said, you know what? Here we are. We've got all these beautiful churches and you can go to New England now, go to the East Coast states. And there's beautiful churches, but sometimes there's not a whole lot of life left in them. And I'm not saying that mean. But I heard about one church over there. Somebody actually had a heart attack during the service. It was a bad situation. The paramedics arrived, and they had to haul out nine guys before they found their actually dead one. <laughs> it's a joke. Because the church was so dead, lifeless. Anyway, all right. But what I'm saying is this. What I'm saying is this. Is that... <laughs> okay, keep the courtesy laughs. I'll, I'll, I'll leave the jokes alone. I'm not, I'm not a joke teller. But I, I can tell you this much. That when there is a fear of the Lord, you, you don't have to wonder, well, do those people fear God? You can tell when somebody has a reverence and an honor and a respect for God. It, it shows up all about them. And during the 1700s, there was this great awakening where one of the, one of the pastors, he said, you know what, man? I've got people up here taking communion that they, they aren't living for God at all. They never, they couldn't even tell you if they're born again. And so he, he, he was bold. He said, hey, you come up for communion, I'll decide whether you're living for God or not, and you can receive communion. Don't you, can you imagine if we did that in 2018? We'd get sued. Probably, it's a defamation of character, you're judging us. And, and I'm telling you, man, that's real. That's some real stuff. Now, we're not going to do that to you. You, you. you should know whether you're right with God. But it does say this, it tells us, let a man examine himself. Don't take of the Lord's Supper unworthily. Don't, you know, don't come up here if you're going to go out and gossip and badmouth and, and, and rage and, and destroy and, and, and cheat and all this stuff. Don't come up don't, don't stand in the presence of God and do that stuff. That's dangerous. Because our God is a God of mercy, right? Thank God 
He's a God of mercy and grace. But he's also a God of judgment. And the, the same Bible that says God is quick to love and slow to anger, it also says that he's a consuming fire. And so I'm just saying, there's a lot of elements to God that we don't, we don't fully wrap our mind around. But when you fear the Lord, it will absolutely change the way that you live your life. You don't want to be the same. And so, elements to fearing the Lord, number one, there's a level of respect and awe that you just, you're overwhelmed with the presence of God. And I want to be in a church that has that. I, I don't want to be, and even if it's a big, fancy, nice church with smoke machines and the best cappuccino in the high desert, that's fine. I mean, that's, that's cute and cool. And I've been to those, and I'm, you know, not super impressed with them. But at the same time, that's good if you have a good light show and fog machines. Bravo. But I would trade that in. I'd get rid of all that if I could just go to a church where there were some people that feared God and some people that said, we want God. We don't need, we don't need all Jesus plus this plus that and then I'll be satisfied. No, Jesus period equals me satisfied. I don't need Jesus and I need Jesus. Amen. And so what's another element to fearing the Lord? There's so many, but we're just going to look at three today. Well, another one it says is hating evil. Fearing the Lord is hating evil. And so let's look here at Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 13. Proverbs 8 verse 13. Anybody glad they came to church today? Yeah. You picked a good day to come to church, didn't you? Of course, any any day is a good day to come to church. But Proverbs 8. We're going to look at verse 13. Now, there are several benefits to fearing the Lord, which I've compiled a massive list. Every time that I see a fear of the Lord scripture, I, I, I initial it, uh, put F-O-T-L by it. And so I've got a giant list compiled, and I'll go over some of those in the coming weeks. But you don't dangle the blessing out there before you dangle the blesser, right? Because a lot of people, they want the blessing, but they don't want to serve the blesser. Well, it doesn't work that way. We want, we want Jesus. Even if he never did another thing for me, his salvation was enough right there. But thank God he does do more things. We realize that. But he doesn't owe me anything else. Proverbs 8.13 in the New Living Translation, it says, All who fear the Lord will hate evil. I mean, that's... There's, that doesn't leave a whole lot of room for extra interpretation right there. It says, all who fear the Lord will hate evil. Therefore, I hate pride and arrogance, corruption and perverse speech. And so we don't hate any person. You realize that there's not a person in this world. I, I can genuinely, before God Almighty, I could stand here and I could, with a clear heart and conscience, say, there is not one person on planet Earth that I hate. Not a one. Not one. Sadly, there, there is evil that I hate, though. And why is that? Because I see what evil and sin does to people's lives. I don't want to see any more homes destroyed. I don't want to see any more kids hurt. I don't want to see any more people uh, uh, abused and, 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 and the things that we see going on in this world. I hate that stuff, man. I don't just dislike Evil? Well, I, I'm uncomfortable with that. Man, I hate that stuff. I've seen enough people ripped apart. I've seen enough people 
hurt and destroyed because of what evil and sin can do to them. And so it's not that it just rubs me the wrong way. I hate that stuff, man. I hate seeing people abused. I hate seeing people that tore up and families split up and, and children hurt and, 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 and all. I hate that stuff. I hate what drugs do to people. I didn't realize that. I mean, I, I just always thought it was bad. But, man, now that I've seen what it does, I hate that stuff, man. Hate it. I hate what I've seen alcohol do to so many people that I love. And I've said it. We come from a line. Outside, my dad was the, nearly the first one in his entire family to break away from being an alcoholic. I come from a long line of alcoholics on the Samples family. I hate that stuff, man. I won't touch it. Hate it. I've seen it literally destroy people that I love. Absolutely train wreck their lives. I hate it. Hate it. It doesn't just rub me wrong. It's just like I, I'm uncomfortable. I hate that stuff, man. It destroys many, many good people. And if you fear the Lord, there are some things that you will absolutely hate because it hurts people that you love. And so it says here, the fear of the Lord will hate evil, all who fear the Lord. Now, evil, you've got to realize this. You're not the one who defines what evil is. Right? God defines what's wrong. And a lot of times in our day and age, we have people making up fake morals and standards, basically, and, and it's wrong. That's, they're making up their own definition of what evil and wrong is. But the Word of God clearly defines what evil and wrong is. And so anything in addition to that, I don't need to hear. The, the word of God tells me what's evil and wrong. And so there, there are things that I don't like, but there are evil things that I hate. And when you fear the Lord, there will be some things that you absolutely despise. Look at Second Peter chapter 2. Second Peter chapter 2. I want to encourage you. I want to build you up. I know right now it seems like we're not, but we're going to get there. We will encourage you. Second Peter chapter two and verse eight. Second Peter chapter two and verse eight. Now this is Peter giving an example from the Old Testament. Second Peter chapter two and verse eight. Now why is it that you would hate evil? Well, because evil is the exact opposite of who God is, right? Anyone? Okay. <laughs> Second Peter. But listen to me. Evil, that's the exact opposite of who God is. And we even, Josh read that verse earlier, that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God. And, and I, listen, there's nobody that I want to be friends with that much to be an enemy of God. I mean, there's a lot of people I want to be friends with. I, I pretty much want to be friends with everybody. But if it's going to, you know, if there's, if there's evil things that I want to buddy up next to and it's going to push me away from God, I don't want you that bad. I don't need you that bad. But look at this. Second Peter chapter two. And we're going to look here at verse eight. And this is Peter uh, talking about a uh, lot in the Old Testament. It says, yes, Lot was a righteous man. Who was tormented in his soul by the wickedness he saw and heard day after day. Well, where did Lot live? Sodom and Gomorrah. And, you know, we're not, I'm not going to tackle that today, but obviously very wicked and evil cities. And Lot lived there, but it tormented him. He was a righteous man. 
If you're a righteous man, there are some things going on in our society, in our world. It says it tormented his soul by the wickedness he saw and heard day after day. Right? I don't know about you, but man, if it, I watch the news every now and then, I'm like, my gosh, it just on the inside, it just tears you apart. Because there's so much wickedness and, and evil going on. And, and if you can watch all that and you're like, eh, don't really care. I mean, hey, it's not bothering me. It's not doing nothing. Hey, it's not my business. If you can see the, the, the terrible, you know, the rapes and the murders and the, and the racism and, and the fighting and the stealing and the thieving going on. And it just, you're neutral? You're totally neutral? You don't care one lick? I don't think you fear the Lord, really, to be honest. I really don't. I, I think, I think if, if these evil things going on don't do anything to you at all, don't at least rub you a little bit the wrong way, it's pretty hard to say that you fear the Lord when the Bible tells us that anyone that fears the Lord, I mean, they'll, they'll hate evil. And Lot, it, he, it tormented his soul by the things he was surrounded with every single day. And so let's flip back here. We've got, we got several verses we're looking at today. Exodus chapter 9. Let's flip to Exodus chapter 9. Exodus chapter 9. And I'm going to look at a few things here. But when a nation quits fearing the Lord, it will eventually bring judgment upon itself. And we saw this again and again throughout the Old Testament. The people of Israel, God would do something great and rescue them. And, and so they, they, they'd get back in line with God and they, they'd worship Him and, and reverence Him for a while. But then after a while, they'd lose their reverence and fear of the Lord. And sure enough, man, they would bring some bad things upon themselves. And it wasn't that God sent the bad things, but they just opened the door wide open to, 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 to this happening to them. And so it's incredibly important for us as, as individuals to have this absolute reverence for our Lord. But let's look here. I'm going to show you something in Exodus chapter 9. And this is a story of Pharaoh. You know, we looked at the, the, the children of Israel a little bit last week. But here's a story of uh, Pharaoh who really did not fear the Lord. So Exodus chapter 9, let's look at verse 27. So Moses is dealing with Pharaoh. And, there, and obviously there's ten plagues that came against Egypt. Terrible plagues. And, and they were getting tired of them. So Exodus 9:27 it says, Then Pharaoh quickly summoned Moses and Aaron... This time I have sinned, he confessed. The Lord is the righteous one and my people and I are wrong. Please beg the Lord to end this terrifying thunder and hail. We've had enough. I will let you go. You don't need to stay any longer. Now look, Moses sees right through this smoke screen. He's not, he doesn't fear the Lord yet. Look at this. Verse 29. All right, Moses replied, as soon as I leave the city, I will lift my hands and pray to the Lord that the thunder and hail will stop and you will know that the earth belongs to the Lord. But look at verse 30. But I know that you and your officials still do not fear the Lord. Why? He's saying, I know you guys don't respect God still. You're going to let us go just because you're tired of getting beat up every day. You're tired of the plagues. But I know you don't really fear the Lord still. You have no respect or reverence for God. I get that. I'll, we'll go. And I'll, and I'll, I'll pray and, and all this will end, but I know that you still, you don't respect God at all. Isn't that something that Moses would be able to say that to the guy that, I mean, could absolutely 
kill him right there. The guy that could absolutely end it all. But here he is. And Moses says, all right, fine. We're going to go. But I get it. You don't fear God still. I know that you don't. And we know that Moses, just reviewing from last week a little bit, Moses was a man that had the utmost reverence and respect and honor for God. Why, why do we know that? Well, as we said last week, isn't it incredible that the children of Israel, they kept complaining and saying, we'd be better off back in Egypt. And in Egypt, they were slaves. They, 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 they had it bad. They, were, they were, had the worst life possible. Yet when they got out there with freedom, they said, no, we would be better off back there. I wish God would have just kept us there. And they lived in poverty. Yet Moses lived in the palace. Moses lived in luxury. Moses had servants and money and power. Moses had everything. And not one time did he say, I want to go back to Egypt. Why? Do you think Moses, if anybody was going to miss Egypt, surely it would be the guy that grew up in the palace, the guy that had all the food and money and games and everything. That, But Moses, not one time did he say, I want to go back. No. Why? Because he feared. He's, you know what? I, 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 there may be money there, but I'm not going back. There are some things more important than your money. There may be power there. There may be plenty of food. There may be, all the, there may be entertainment and pleasure, but I'm not going back. They're evil. And I wish some people in 2018 would say, there may be more money over there, but I'm not touching it. Because there's a price to pay with that money. I don't need it. I, I may, it may be fun over there for a while, but I'm not going to go messing around with that. There's going to be a price to pay for that. I wish some people had that attitude and said, you know what? I'm, I'm not. I'm good. I'm good. I got Jesus. I'm good. I don't need any of that. You keep that. I'm good. I do not need that stuff because there is a price to pay with that stuff. And I don't want it. I'd rather have Jesus. And so that's the attitude that Moses had. But look at this. Verses 33 through 35. Verses 33 through 35. So Moses says, hey, you don't fear God. I can see right through this. Look at verse 33. So Moses left Pharaoh's court and went out of the city. When he lifted his hands to the Lord, the thunder and hail stopped and the downpour ceased. There you go. But when Pharaoh saw that the rain, hail and thunder had stopped, he and his officials sinned again. And Pharaoh again became stubborn because his heart was hard. Pharaoh refused to let the people leave, just as the Lord had predicted through Moses. And so I know a lot of people that, whether they would say it or not, but they're kind of like Pharaoh right here. They may have the plague. They may they may have the storm coming against them in, the, in their life. So they're like, okay, I'll stop. Just make the bad stuff go away. And so the Lord makes the bad stuff go away. And they're like, oh, wait, it stopped raining. Let's do it again. Come on, let's go. All the danger stopped. The rain and the hail and the thunder stopped. The storm's over. Let's just go do it again. Why would you do something like that? Why would you do something like that when God rescued you the first time and you go right back to it again? Why would you do that? Because you don't fear God. You didn't truly fear God. You just wanted God to make your problems go away, right? I mean, this is harsh. I don't want to talk like this. I want to say fun, fuzzy things. I really do. I want to cuddle by the fireplace with all you and drink hot chocolate. But that's just not the day for that right now, okay? And so, listen to me. Why would somebody, God has totally resurrected and restored their life and redeemed them and brought them out of the worst situation ever. And then as soon as all the trouble, as soon as the storm stops, the clouds part and the sun comes out again, 
they go back to doing it. Why is that? Because they didn't really reverence and respect God. They just wanted him to be their get-out-of-jail-free card. We're not being mean. We're not judging. We're not throwing stones. But let's call a spade a spade. Come on, let's not be stupid here. How it's impossible if you really experience... I mean, it's impossible if you fear the Lord to ever want to go back to that old life. To ever want to go back to the things that used to addict you and bind you and hold you down and abuse you. Why would you ever want to go back to that? The only way you would is if you don't really reverence God. And so, here it is. Pharaoh, he got the fear of God. He was scared of God for a few minutes. But then he said, oh wait, it stopped raining. Hey, bring them back. Get them back in here. And, and, and so, he started the same cycle over and over again. And this reminds me, sadly, of, I remember, September 11th, 2001. So, you know, that was a sad day. And I remember... It was incredible. After something really bad happened, churches all over the nation filled up for like three weeks. I mean, everybody was flocking to churches because they were terrified what's going to happen next. Churches everywhere. People got fear of God. They got they got some fear real quick. But it lasted for about three weeks. Then everybody was back to normal. And then I feel they kicked it. They, they kicked it up a notch or two or three or four. Things actually got worse. And then I remember this financial crisis hit. And whatever, 08, 09, 07, back in there. And I mean, uh, it really tore some people up. And so for a little bit, some people turned to God. For a little bit. But then when the, the storm calmed down and they got their stuff back, they got their houses and their quads and their fun back, like, oh, well, we're good. Okay, never mind. Sorry, psych, didn't mean it. We're good. Don't need you now. And, and they, they went back to their... Why would you do that? Because you didn't fear God. You ran to the shelter, but isn't it nice to abide under the shelter of the Almighty? Like Psalm 91 says. I mean, thank God he's a shelter. I can run if I'm outside of it. But it's nice to just live in the shelter of the Almighty. Amen. And then when the storm comes, I'm not. Where's that book? Where's that preacher? Where's that promise? What can I do? Where are they at? I'm already there, man. I'm in the house of God. I abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I live there. That's where my house is. I live there. Amen. And you do too. You live under the shadow of the Almighty. And so it shouldn't be, well, bad times are coming. We better get over there to God real quick. No. When you reverence that you love God, man, you live there. You're already there. Amen. And so the third thing I'm going to say today is this. We're just talking about elements to fearing the Lord. This list could go on and on and on. This could be, I mean, this could take forever. But, but we're going to talk about this. When you really have a fear of the Lord, when you really reverence and honor your God, number three, obeying God. You'll obey Him. You'll obey what His Word says. You'll obey uh, what He speaks to you. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 12. Is anybody learning anything today? We're getting somewhere. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 10, and we're going to look here at verse 12. Now, it's so important for us to realize that the, the, the impact of our obedience to God and His Word. Deuteronomy 10 and verse 12, and it says this, 
I'm read this one in the NIV, but Deuteronomy 10:12 it says, "And now Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God?" So there it is. There's that word to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And so what is God asking of us? Well, here it is. He asks of us to reverence and respect him, to, to fear him. Then he asks us to walk in obedience, to serve him and to love him. And I'm like, that's not really that much to ask of us, to, to have a little respect, to have some honor, to have some reverence and to obey him and his word. And so when you fear God, when you reverence God, when he's number one in your life, People don't have to twist your arm to get you to serve him. You realize that? I mean, there's nothing worse than having to, man, we need nursery workers. Let's get down there and beg. You know, please, please, we need more people. And our church has a lot of babies. I don't know if you realize that. This place is loaded. I mean, you basically, baby, they're just everywhere. Babies, babies, babies. And so, and there's a lot. And so we're always looking for nursery workers. And it's great when somebody says, you know what? I, I love the Lord so much. I mean, I'm not particularly, it's not my calling in life, but hey, I'll go help out up there. Just, I want to serve God. That's the best thing instead of saying, we need more nursery workers. Could you help us out? You know, hey, we need some ushers. Uh, please get, is there anybody out there that could go help, you know, clean the yard? Is there anybody out there when you got to beg for it? And then finally you're, you know, you're like, fine, I'll go. Ugh, cause they're twisting my arm. I'll do it, but it's not cause I want to. Well, Isaiah chapter one says, if you're willing and obedient, you need to go to the land. Well, it's nice to be obedient, but it's nice to be willing and do it with the right heart also. And so when you fear the Lord, nobody has to get you in an arm bar to make you go, you know, help and serve in the nursery or, 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 or usher or whatever the case is. You'll serve God simply because you love him, right? And so right here it tells us, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And so serving God out of obligation is not a good reason to do it. That means you don't fear the Lord. Well, there's another thing here we could talk about. We shouldn't only obey God because we're afraid he's going to punish us. I've said this a thousand times and I'll keep saying it again. If you're only serving God, well, we better quit doing that. We're going to make God mad at us. But well, we better go. We better start obeying, or you know, don't want to get the man upstairs on our case. You know what I'm saying? Get the good book. If you refer to him as the man upstairs, chances are you don't fear God. But anyway, but you know, people say dumb stuff like that. You know, oh man, the man upstairs. Tell you what, man, me and him, woo, we're like this. No, you're not. I'm calling your bluff. If, if, if you're that close with God, he's your father. He's not the man upstairs. He's, he's your father. You love him. But anyway, uh, but, but if you well, we're all, we'll obey God, but it's only because, it, you know, I know that it says that if you don't, then this is going to happen to you. That's, that's not obeying God out of the right heart. Well, hey, the word says if we do this, then we'll get all these blessings right here. It says if I tithe, he'll open the windows of heaven. So, yeah, I'm going to do it. And yes, it says that. And yes, you should expect that. But no, that should not be the reason that you tithe. I don't tithe just because God promised me blessings. I'm glad that he did. 
I tithe simply because it says bring all the tithes into the storehouse. That's good enough for me right there. I don't need any other promises, though they're great. I don't, I don't need anything else. We saw the book of Hebrews earlier where it says about, yes, here, the, here are mortal men, pastors, priests, preachers. They receive the tithes for the Lord. And so the New Testament talks about it. Jesus said, yes, you should tithe. But first, your heart should be right with God. So Jesus mentioned it. It's a New Testament concept. But listen to me. I don't only do it because I want God's blessings. I just do it because he said to. And that's a good enough reason for me. You don't have to bribe me to be a tither. Well, forgive others so you'll be forgiven. And yes, it says that. And yes, you got to do that. But I don't only forgive others just because I want other people to forgive me. I forgive others because the word of God says to forgive, to love your neighbor as yourself, to turn the other cheek, to go. the. That's good enough reason for me right there. And so what I'm telling you today is this. Maybe you should examine your heart. What is your reason for obeying God? Is it because somebody made you and forced you? Is it because you're afraid that he's going to get mad and do something bad to you? (laughs) Or is it because... I just want all this stuff, man. He's, he's rich. He's loaded. He's got a lot of stuff. I want all the blessings. I want all that. What's your reason for obeying God? If it's any of those three things, that's the wrong reason. The real reason for obeying God is you respect and fear him and you just, you, you love him. And so his word is good enough. Well, his word says that's all, that's the reason I need. I don't need anything else. I'm good. That's all I need right there. But what's your reason for wanting to live in obedience to God? John 14, verse 15. John 14, 15. Jesus couldn't have said it any better himself than this right here. John 14 and verse 15. And Jesus put it best right here. John 14, verse 15. Jesus said, if you love me. Obey my commandments, not, hey, if you want all these blessings, you obey my commandments right now. You hear now you don't want me to get mad at you. You don't want to get on my bad side. Obey my commandments. No, he said, if you love me, obey my commandments. The reason for obeying and serving the Lord is simply because you love him. And when you love God. That's enough. You're not going to wander off and, and do other things. You're not, there's, there's nothing else more that you need. But if you love him, you'll obey his commandments. And, you know, I think of a story. One of my high school teachers told me he grew up on a dairy farm in Wisconsin. And he said, I mean, that was their livelihood. They had to milk the cows or else they're not going to have any money and they're not going to eat. And he said, as a younger child, as, as, a, as a younger boy, every day, his dad had to get him up, you know, wake him up out of bed, push him out of bed, throw water. Get up, get out there and milk the cows. His dad had to force him to every day. And he would do it grumbling the whole, fine, I'll go down. I want to sleep in. And every day, his dad would have to come and basically force him to go do his part of the job and milk the cows. He didn't want it. He did it. But he didn't want to do it. He did it because he had to and he was going to get punished if he didn't do it. And he said later on in life, as he got older, he started to realize, wait a minute. My dad's not making me milk the cows because he's mean and wants to hurt me. And he just likes to see me get out of bed early. He's doing it because if we don't milk these cows, our family's not going to have a house. 
We're not going to have food. We're not going to survive if we don't go. So what I originally thought God was saying or what the father was saying to be mean to me, it turns out he was saying for my benefit. He was making me do this because he loves me. And when you start to reverence God, the things that you used to think were, man, it's a bunch of rules and regular, you realize those aren't there to be mean. Those are there to protect you. Those, those are boundaries. Those are borders. Those are there to protect you from bringing harm to yourself or from letting the enemy get in. And so when you fear that you, you have a whole different outlook on God, he's not telling you this to be mean. He's telling you this because he loves you. And so my teacher said that after a while, when he got this concept, he said, I got up before my dad did. I was the first, I went out there every single morning. Nobody forced me. I did it on my own because I saw the real reason for obeying. And that's how it is with us Christians. When you, when you, at first you, you may be, well, they're, you know, I, I better do this, or my parents are making me do this, or I don't want to, but, but after a while, when you really get a hold of who God is, you realize that His Word is there, not to restrain you, not to hold you back, not to hurt you, not to keep you from having fun. His Word is there to protect you from the dangers of this world. You see it in a whole different light. And so, I'm challenging us today. What is our motivation for serving God? What is our reason for fearing the Lord and honoring Him? Well, it's got to be because of what Jesus said right there. If you love me, obey my commandments. That's all you need right there. That's all you need right there. You know, I've said it this way before. I love my wife so much that I married her because I love her. She's, I love, that's the reason I'm married to her. I'm not married to her because I'm afraid of some kind of punishment. I'm not faithful to her because, well, I mean, I could get in trouble. I'm faithful because I love her. Nobody else has what I need. She's the one that has what I need. I don't need anything from anybody else. I don't remain faithful because, well, I could get in trouble if I don't. Or, well, I don't, I don't know, man, that, that can make people mad. No. I, I remain faithful because I love her. That's a good enough reason for me right there. And I'm telling you today, in your relationship with God, I'm trying to drive this home. Just get with me here. In your relationship with God, is it because you love him or is it because of what he can do for you or you're afraid of what he can do to you? When you come into his presence, when you come into the house of the Lord, is it all about, Jesus, I'm here because I love you. I'm here because I just want more of you. What's your reason for serving God? Only you could answer that question. I couldn't answer that for you. But I want you to examine your heart today and say, Lord, search me. Try me. Know my thoughts. Know my heart. Point out anything in me that offends you, as King David said in Psalm 139. And lead me in the way everlasting. But when you really fear the Lord, it all boils down to you love him so much that he's it. He's your number one. He's your one and only. He is all that you need in this life. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up together. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.